0: you like to have a conversation about? I'd like to have a conversation about ex machina. Hello, I am Professor Robert E. G. Black and this is Minutia Ex Machina. With me today is Molly Balin from Escape from New York Minute. Welcome. Hello. (laughs) Yes, you haven't done one of these in a while. That was
1: (laughs) you can already tell. (laughs) That was a few years ago, right? Yes, it was a few years ago. I know with COVID times everything is is kind of a a motion amalgamation. But yeah, I think it's been well probably going on two years now.
0: Okay doesn't mean you don't know what you're doing or how to talk about movies like for example (laughs) What was your first uh, experience with Ex Machina? Uh,
1: I saw it in the theater, actually. My dad got me into sci-fi. I really attribute to him a lifelong enjoyment of, of sci-fi and androids and robots and <laughs> explaining Turing tests and whatnot to me. And so uh, we we saw it was my husband and, and my dad and I went and saw it, which made the last scene of this movie slightly awkward. <laughs> but I love Oscar Isaac. Yeah. And I like Alicia Vikander, too. This might have even be the first movie I think I saw mm. of her, yeah. like a big Hollywood production. Now she did another kind of period piece, which is escaping me right now. That's actually pretty good if I can figure out what that was. But yeah, the, with the the dude who plays La Chiffre from Casino Royale.
0: Jumping in while editing to say she's talking about the movie A Royal Affair from 2012 with Mads Mikkelsen.
1: But this was the first thing I saw her in. Was this the first thing you saw her in as like a A-lister?
0: Double checking that she played a notable role. Mm-hmm. She was in Anna Karenina. Apparently, I don't. I oh. don't know what role, how big a role Kitty is, but I did see that. This would be the first one you like, really notice her, because I mean, there's only four people in most of this movie, right? Right. Out. And we only saw her for the first time last minute. Yeah. I mean, she said hello. <laughs> you get her first real dialogue <laughs> in this movie,
1: right? I
0: would note before we get into this minute, I said last week, it was strange that she walks around through that closet area to get to where he is. Mm -hmm. I hadn't noticed until now that she can't go directly from the main room to where he is. There's actually a second layer of glass that I don't think we've gotten an angle that showed that Mm -hmm.
1: yet. Gotcha.
0: And so she had to go that way. It wasn't a choice.
1: Yeah. I feel like maybe it's last minute. There's this sort of brief reference where there's, you know, one of those kind of red key card kind of images. Mm -hmm. And then there's that kind of cool Norwegian, (laughs) I'm calling it Norwegian, but it's that like Pomo glass wall that, you know, you get a sense of that. There's, there's definitely a barrier here and Mm -hmm. and I'm totally blast from the past, but that reference of, which comes in later, but the the cracked glass that he kind of touches, you know? So yeah, you get a sense that whatever's in there is, some shit went down. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. <laughs> Something has gone wrong. And then you get her walking in and it's like, well, no, this is fine.
1: <laughs>
0: she seems nice.
1: She does seem nice. Yeah.
0: Even some of the dialogue in this minute, though, if you read it as she planned all along, she's going to get out, knows that Kyoko exists already. Mm-hmm. She already immediately doesn't trust Caleb, but it's debatable.
1: It is. And, you know, when you've seen the whole movie and, you know, you go back, you're like, oh, well, am I applying something to this at this point? But there's a a point where she's talking about. I've only met one person, basically, mm-hmm. who's Nathan. And she kind of looks down, and, and mm-hmm. it's this kind of damsel in distress sort of moment where it's like, oh, but I've only known Nathan, you know? And there's this <laughs> kind of demure looking down sort of moment.
0: This minute's fun for me because I also operate on the idea that Caleb could also be an android.
1: Mm. And so
0: then he's speaking literally when he replies to that, like, yeah, I guess we're both in quite a similar position.
1: Mm. Interesting.
0: Because, I mean, they're both, regardless of what their circumstances actually are, they both clearly don't have, I mean, well, she doesn't have any friends, but he seems like kind of a loner. He did get a lot of texts congratulating him. So he does have some coworkers who like him.
1: Yeah, he does. And there's that really nice reference where his face is being mapped. There's like that kind Mm -hmm. of heat infrared behind him where, you know, you're being watched. But, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a tech company. It's kind of cultish anyway. You don't get the snacks for free, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) So,
0: well, and we'll find out later that Blue Book is watching everybody.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. That's
0: programs, emotions and facial tics and everything else.
1: Yeah. There's that kind of Facebook amalgamation of information that's mm-hmm. gathered together to create responses and make a whole human being It's kind of like <laughs> were you, are you a Battlestar Galactica fan at all yes did you yes. ever watch Caprica yes yeah I felt like there was a little touch of Caprica yeah in here with that oh definitely I'm a big Battlestar fan
0: <laughs> I, haven't w- I haven't watched it since Caprica was since Caprica ended I haven't mm-hmm. gone back and watched any but yeah
1: yeah I haven't watched Caprica either since it ended but I just remember for the folks at home, there's this reference to how Cylons were made and that they took basically online, pers- if I remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, because it's been a bit, but they take basically online data to create an avatar yeah. to like recreate the personality and the essence of the person. Mm-hmm. And that becomes the thing that becomes yeah. the Cylon, so to speak.
0: Yeah. And, and the first Cylon that really has its own sort of soul if you will, mm-hmm. it's taken directly from one of the main characters. Right. Whose personality is put into it. Yeah. yeah. That's
1: a little similar idea that they have here in the the programming of, of mm-hmm. these guys. Yeah.
0: And programming is a good word for it because secondary to her actual programming, Ava's being influenced by the fact she's stuck in this one room all the time. And has this one guy come in and talk to her, that's going to affect her worldview.
1: And he's kind of a jackass. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. Yes, he is. <laughs> And then she meets this new guy and he's, he seems nice, but he's not very helpful. Right. And we've talked in previous weeks about how he actually doesn't spend very much time with her, Mm -hmm. which is weird, but it's movie standard, you know, classes in schools and movies are always like five minutes long. Mm -hmm. These sessions seem like they're a few minutes long. Like I'm spending most of the day there. Right. You want to interact. you want to watch movies with her? You want to see what she reads, get her opinions on things. He's not trying hard enough
1: yeah that's amazing yeah i mean even though what is it i guess it's technically what session one that this is about yeah and you know that that bro's in there for a hot minute before he's clinking beers i mean like she's amazing oh well, yeah
0: and for us <laughs> watching it this session barely started last time right she said one word and i think it's over in two minutes
1: god it's if, if so short. that well yeah you're right i think it is two minutes I think there's another minute of kind of basic icebreaking chit-chat before mm-hmm. yeah, yeah we move on.
0: And then we got to him talking to Nathan about this. Mm-hmm. Which I think that conversation is longer.
1: I think it is. Yeah.
0: It's very strange. It works when you're watching it the first time but going through like this it's very strange.
1: It is. Yeah, cuz there isn't a whole lot of time and he's already pretty mesmerized mm-hmm. when he comes in.
0: Yeah. And then Nathan just put more of that on him by taking him in his room, telling him how he feels about it. And then immediately, as far as we can tell, this is the very next thing he does. He hasn't even been there very long. Now he's meeting this AI that no matter what he walked in and saw, he was going to be amazed.
1: Yeah, I think there's a good context. And this is something that I I didn't remember initially is how much of this seems so fantastical with the, Mm -hmm. you know, even the reference with the helicopter of like, we've been flying over his estate for like two hours or something. So, you know, the the man's wealth is vast. And that's a really Mm -hmm. nice shorthand of doing that. And by the time he gets there, it's just this vast, like, swatch of, like, land and, you know, incredible house with, you know, hey, you can access this door or that door, which, you know, obviously comes in pretty heavily later on. And right. just the the sheer wealth and that reference of, hey, can we just be bros right now? Can we just be bros? <laughs> just having yep. a conversation and not be, like, employee, employer. And, you know, even the guys like, you know, Caleb's shitting himself, basically. And you can tell he's just... This whole yeah. thing is
0: he is very uh, mesmerized by all of that. He's exactly what Nathan wants him to be in this mm-hmm. moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which
0: really ruins the scientific angle of this test. If Caleb's not also an Android being tested.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's already, I, I don't know if the boner is impeding his ability. <laughs> he's, Although, I, have a, yes. A oh, no, it Turing is. Turing test here.
0: Oh, the whole <laughs> conversation about that later. <laughs> But also, I think technically that might be the problem is I don't think Nathan's a scientist.
1: No, I don't think he is either.
0: He's a tech genius, you know, Silicon Valley. You wouldn't call them all scientists. They can just code computers. Yeah. I don't think Nathan claims he designed her machinery. He designed her brain.
1: Yeah. There's this. Props to Wikipedia. Wikipedia has this great like line if you look up Turing test. And the quote is, in practice, the test results can easily be dominated not only by the computer's intelligence, but by the attitude skill or naivete of the questioner. Yep. And I really thought that was so spot on for this.
0: Oh, yeah. Caleb is, you can tell him outright, oh, you're talking to a robot. Now decide if she's not one, sort of. And mm-hmm. he'll be like, yeah, I can do that. It's also a weird measure to say artificial intelligence for that because we have AI all over the place. It's a question of whether it's beyond that and closer to human. Right. There's degrees.
1: Right. I think that that's kind of what's interesting about the trilogy you have going on right now is that there's this conversation that's kind of carried through these. If I may reference all of it in one shot. Oh, yeah. If we can be meta- Is that what is what is consciousness and what's your perception of Mm -hmm. self and time and I mean I think a little bit more with groundhog where there's there's more I think there's a spiritual aspect of groundhog, which you know, maybe is less emphasized in this particular movie, but that could be an argument to be made.
0: Yeah. For this minute, of course, we do have their first dialogue. He says, Hi, I'm Caleb. She walks over closer to him past at this point, we don't know what these are, but there's a small rectangle on the wall that's kind of reflective, which I like that the, I mean, VFX artists tend to know what they're doing, that her neck is see-through on that reflection as well, which is good. We'll learn later. This is one of the induction plates she can charge herself through. So she says, hello, Caleb. And he asks if she has a name, Introduces herself as Ava, which I'll talk more about the names. What are we on? We're on minute 14, three weeks from now. I have a plan. <laughs> I'm doing minute 17 by myself because I want to get into a little more dense and complicated in a short time. But there, I'll talk about the biblical references.
1: Oh, sure.
0: She's Eve. Caleb and Nathan are also characters from, uh, I believe they're both from the book of Exodus, Caleb and Nathan. But I'll get into them in three weeks. Oh, that's cool. And she says, I'm pleased to meet you too. I've never met anyone new before. Hmm. Only Nathan. Which, assuming she's being honest, means she does not know Kyoko is there, which goes to what I've been saying about why she turns on Caleb in the end is because he is not trying to save everyone. He's just trying to save her.
1: Mm.
0: And that's disappointing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. I I think that was... I look forward to hearing the the full analysis of this particular movie. And, and when you get to that point, that was something mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily, I guess, pick up on the first time that I watched it, that that was like where some of that was coming from. I saw her as being a little bit more like kind of had it with all of you. I'm out. <laughs> a
0: little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, Caleb is clearly trying to help her, but there, at some point she decides he's not worth bringing with her. Yeah. And I, I <laughs> I I tend to think it boils down to the moment when she meets Kyoko and realizes that all of Caleb's plans just forget that there's some other woman android that's Mm. also stuck here. Mm. And then Ava finds the bodies of all the previous ones. And at that point, it doesn't matter which guy might be on her side. She's not going to let any of them out.
1: Yeah. I think, she was low on empathy to begin with, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. if we take the previous gens in context of at a certain point, somebody was just like, oh, you know, because we're talking about consciousness being actually like successful previously of, and, right. and an awareness of I'm locked in here and I'm losing my shit and I need to mm-hmm. leave and you're not letting me leave.
0: Well, yeah, as far as we know, all of the previous ones worked fine. Yeah. It's just Nathan doesn't like it when they turn on him.
1: Yeah yeah
0: and despite being androids they don't seem to be stronger than regular people so he can overpower them he can take them apart and break them and one of them breaks herself one i think it's the one who damages the glass
1: i think that's right yeah
0: so this guy's got a bunch of bodies in his closets and has another slave he doesn't even let talk working his house so it's not a nice place once ava (laughs) sees the rest of it yeah at least here she's still isolated and Caleb's a better part of that because he wants to actually talk to her, get to know her.
1: Yeah. And I think that he's very in, in, impressed with what she is, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. the, the potential of what she is.
0: Yeah,
1: And also, you know, there's, I think there's a, a slight impression of him being emotionally immature initially.
0: Oh, definitely. That's how they play him. Yeah. That's one of my reasons I say he could also be an Android is that's an easy way for an Android to pass a Turing test or Mm. for a computer AI is to act like a child.
1: Mm. Interesting.
0: I always go back to one I read about, which was it pretended to be a 12 year old from, I think it was from somewhere in Eastern Europe. And so anytime he would say something awkward, people would just chalk it up to him being naive because he's a kid or translating it wrong because English isn't his first language. Mm. And so it made it so he could pass a lot easier. People believe they were talking to an actual kid.
1: Interesting. Just like here, right?
0: One of the things Caleb questions later is, "Did you program her to flirt with me?" Because that's an easy way for her to get him to just keep talking,
1: right? And there is that tension, kind of. I don't know. Was a midway through where it's who's manipulating who here? Mm -hmm. Who's in charge of who? And and that being a whole other level of. I think it can be argued that she was doing it from get go.
0: Possibly, yeah.
1: You know. There's many arguments you can make here about who knows what, when, and, you know.
0: Well, yeah, just like the, I'm in the very next bit of lines. That's where he says, I guess we're both in quite a similar position. Mm -hmm. She says, haven't you met lots of new people before? And he says, none like you. And she kind of looks away when she says, hmm. And it's like, I think in that moment, she knows exactly what is happening.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. She
0: knows he's brought in to test me because I'm unique. Yes. Which would also make it more of a disappointment later when she finds out she's not unique.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: She's the seven, I forget the number, seventh or eighth iteration Mm -hmm. plus Kyoko. So she's just the latest thing. And the big problem she needs to know later is what happens if she fails.
1: Yeah. One of the things that I always liked about this was the modeling of her as an Android and the choices to leave some things transparent Mm -hmm. and some things not. Yeah, Have you talked a little bit about that since you... Kind of, I know I, she was really. We only
0: first saw her last minute. So okay. we, t- I talked a little bit about how they designed the internal stuff, mm. not the choices they made, is what was internal and what was not. No.
1: Yeah, I think it's just fascinating. I mean, when we look at like Android models or, you know, people getting into, you know, Blender or Maya or whatever to, to create Androids, mm-hmm. you don't often see transparency. And I think that this is something that is. I, I mean, I remember before I even saw the movie, just the imagery of her. Yeah. And, and of course, because she's, you know, we, she's a human being, really, and an actress. And, you know, we right. need to see some sort of emoting from her face, not only because there's a seduction that's happening here, but also I think it's interesting in terms of choice of interface. It's the hands, the feet. And the face, yeah, you know, and you get this kind of like, you know, meshy crop top action kind of going, yeah. But, but that there's transparency in her arms, there's transparency, you know, through her torso. And so that's mm-hmm. just so interesting to me is that those choices are very interesting.
0: Yeah. Cause like within the film, there's a practical reason why it would be hands, feet and face are the first things you do the most complicated. You need to know how your Android interacts with the world. Can it process touch? Can it talk? And it look at us and make facial expressions? But then, yeah, the parts you leave transparent is that ease of access because they're the joints, like the arms and the legs. Is it on the part of the filmmakers? Is it to make it feel like she's wearing clothing, but not a lot of clothing?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that even though we're seeing a spine, which we normally wouldn't see, what we think of is bare abdomen. And so it, it depends on how much of it is what they wanted Nathan's choices the filmmakers' choices, and our expectations. And I said last time, they deliberately tried, they didn't go look at other androids in movies when they designed the internal workings. They looked at, among other things, like race cars.
1: Really? And like
0: hydraulic things, because they they wanted theirs to be different. But it also ends up coming about the same because that's how you're going to design an android woman in a movie, especially when it plays on sexuality and gender. And why they cast a dancer Mm. as that android. Right. Because they want her to move smoothly and seductively, even when she's not doing anything
1: seductive. And she's also very, she's small, naturally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is also kind of plays into what might be built.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then next to either Nathan or Caleb, Caleb is tall. Nathan is very muscular and kind of bulky in this movie. Mm -hmm. If she's next to either of them, it's going to look like she's more petite like fragile thing Mm -hmm. and so then we can believe um, it's not like donald gleason's gonna be an action star you know (laughs) but here we could we could believe he's the one who's gonna save her but he does it mostly with his brain
1: right you know he
0: reprograms the computer right he's not gonna be able to fight off nathan neither can she
1: right right yeah yeah we've already established that he's well i mean him getting drunk kind of plays in later Mm -hmm. but yeah, that he's already initially like you see him punching bag.
0: Right. That's how he introduces himself. Yeah. The film introduces him to us and how he introduces himself to Caleb.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Because he he knows Caleb arrived. He knows when the helicopter is scheduled. He knows when the door lets someone in and then he went outside to work out.
1: Yeah. I'm like, that's some alpha male shit right uh-huh. there. Just
0: <laughs> that is, that is who he thinks he is.
1: Yes. And it works. Yes. It does. Because it puts yeah. it
0: puts Caleb off and then all he has to do is endure him with the talk about being bros and how they were going to eat together, but he's got a hangover.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of vulnerability there.
0: And he also would know because he checked. He picked Caleb specifically. That Caleb isn't a drinker. He doesn't go out to parties. He's going to be awkward. Mm-hmm. Maybe he wouldn't have predicted mm-hmm. how awkward, but he knows he's right. awkward, and so he can play right. on that by being that alpha male.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and we're established that he's uh, a bit of a control freak. Oh yeah. You know, with those shorthands of a genius, I guess, one of those like elusive, weird tech geniuses Mm -hmm. who's got a crap ton of land somewhere and toys and people got a helicopter in, and even though it's quote unquote a research facility, as he as he states. But
0: that's why it's isolated, sort of, but also. We don't know what the world thinks of him, mm-hmm. but I, I feel like he's a little like how we talk about like Elon Musk with, you know, his weird giant ship that they had to take a bridge down just so we could get through some river. And I feel like Nathan would demand that sort of the world bending to his will.
1: Oh, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. They've they've done a nice job of of making him that that character, mm-hmm. kind of similarly to Blade Runner. Where you've got Jared Leto and and uh, another tech genius weirdo in a bunker somewhere with all of his like...
0: Oh, and I missed this, was it last week that Chris was on? Or two weeks ago, Chris Frayne was on. Oh, cool. And part of what Oscar Isaac was going for with his look was a very specific era of Stanley Kubrick. Oh,
1: interesting. Visually
0: with like the slightly bald but the beard and going for that that kind of bizarre genius where we can all recognize that he's genius on some level but also he's strange.
1: Yeah. And yeah.
0: it'd be hard to imagine Nathan going to the Blue Book office to recruit someone. He had to bring them to him.
1: Right. Yeah, he's not going to make that effort.
0: <laughs> and and it would be I don't think it would work if he did. He'd, He'd have some weird cult. He's probably got a cult of people like a bunch of incel guys that follow him on Twitter and defend him all the time.
1: No, for sure. Yeah. He's got an incel army for sure. Mm -hmm. He's that guy. Yeah.
0: The blue book army.
1: Yep. (laughs) The blue
0: boys. (laughs) Caleb tells her, uh, so we need to break the ice. And there's a great acting thing from Vikander here because she has this little tiny head twitch, almost like the Android brain is accessing information. Mm -hmm. And just thinking of what that means he asked her, do you know what I mean by that? Yes. Uh, what do I mean? Overcome initial social awkwardness, which I think she has a better take on that than him.
1: Oh, <laughs> because
0: he can't do that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Easily. You had mentioned that, you know, that she has this little like head cant, kind of android head mm-hmm. cant, and one of the things that I love is when they do these slight sound effects for movements for androids, yeah. where it's uh, hydraulics or joints or whatever it is, but that like you know kind of whirring sort of sound, and I I just I, I love that stuff. And there's a little there's a subtle bit of that in here too.
0: So then Ava saying, so let's have a conversation. Hmm. And he says, okay. And then we're going to get about a minute of that conversation. (laughs) (laughs) We said this, I think last week, I just want this to be uh, my dinner with Android. Hmm. Just they sit and talk and maybe we like, let us know one of these people is an Android as they go into a conversation, but it's just two people who are actually just people. Hmm. Wait, I think I just wrote a movie. (laughs) 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 Two people who think the other they're in a touring test and the other one's an Android. They're both wrong.
1: There's this amazing short. Again, not remembering the name of it, but basically it was like this woman orders an Android up, like an Android companion. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole thing about like she has one previously that isn't working for her. And then like one comes in, and then you find out, I'm totally spoiling it, that actually she's also an Android, and he like shuts her off and goes to the couch and gets a beer and watches like a game. But it's just, it's, it's kind of the similar idea that you're, you're bringing up, but it's another one of those, you know, what if it, what if it is two androids, but one of them doesn't know it.
0: Right. Cause that's the test is if they both decide the other one is human, I guess they passed if your program is good enough. Right. Yeah. We cut back to Nathan at the end of the minute. He is still watching on his center monitor. Both of his other monitors now have like code language stuff, even though he's handwriting his notes as they talk on (laughs) post-its. We don't see them actually coding. We just see that code exists. And Ava says, okay, this minute, the overcoming of initial social awkwardness.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The meeting of minds.
0: I think their conversation might get a little more interesting next time. I don't remember. Yeah. Cause they're trying to decide what to talk about. Right. Which is not overcoming awkwardness. (laughs) That's just being more (laughs) awkward people. But if people want to hear you some more, where can they do so?
1: You can go to Escape from New York Minute find that online. Eric Deutsch is my co-host for that. Come check us out.
0: But listeners, thank you for listening. Anusha X Machina is just one part of an existential trilogy of podcasts. Tune in every Tuesday for more X Machina, every Wednesday for the Groundhog Day Project Minute by Minute, and every Thursday for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute. You may now follow those shows separately on your podcatchers or there's a single feed just called an existential trilogy where you can make sure you listen in the correct order. Follow this show on Twitter at xMinutia, Instagram Minutia underscore X underscore Machina or Facebook simply Minutia X Machina. This has been a production of Lemming Drop Studio. You can find links to more at lemmingdrops.com or join the Facebook group Lemming Drop Studio Tour. And you can support all my shows at patreon.com slash lemmingdrops. Until next time. What imperative does a gray box have to interact with another gray box? Can consciousness exist without interaction?
1: The real test
0: is to show you that she's a robot and then see if you still
1: feel she has consciousness.
0: Thank you.